Your property podcast comes to you with thanks to our friends at Trafalgar Square Finance, leading independent specialists in mortgages and all types of property finance. Whether it's buy-to-let, development or bridging finance, Trafalgar Square can help you organise your funding for your next property project. Exclusively to listeners of Your Property Podcast, Trafalgar Square offer a free one-to-one consultation. So whether you are a portfolio landlord looking to raise funds on your existing portfolio, or if you're just starting out and want to find out if you are eligible for a buy-to-let mortgage, Trafalgar Square Finance can help. It's easy to book with one of their experienced consultants by simply visiting yourpropertynetwork.co.uk forward slash finance. You can find this link in the show notes for more details. Hello and welcome to Your Property Podcast. Today I am back with Mark Barrett. Hi Mark. Hey Michelle, how's it going? It's great, thank you. It's um, I was just really just saying before we press for go on the recording, it's been uh, quite a few years since we uh, last connected through yeah. a, a property networking event up in Manchester that we used to go to. Um, and it's been interesting to sort of see your journey through social media and see what you're up to now. And I thought we'd invite you on um, just to kind of get a an idea of what you've been up to and and what you can share with our audience. So tell us a bit about yourself and how you got into property. Great. Yeah. Thank you, Michelle. And it's also been great to see your journey as well. So it was yeah, good times meeting at the uh, property breakfast we used to go to. And uh, yeah, some great people we met there. So yeah, it's uh, my name's Mark Barrett. Uh, I'm based in in Warrington in the northwest, and uh, I started out life uh, in the police force. I didn't I didn't know what I wanted to do at school. Went to an old boys school. Didn't want to stay on to sixth form, so I kind of like went in my dad's footsteps and uh, did the police. Did that for six years, and um, didn't want to do it for the rest of my life. I'd been in plain clothes for like three years. Didn't want to go back into uniform, so. Decided to go for a change and ended up uh, as a mortgage broker. And I really, uh, really enjoyed helping people out with mortgages. So I'm a wealth dynamic profile is a tempo. So right. I do like helping people. I like to be in the thick of things. And uh, so, yeah, I got a lot from that. And obviously, as buy to that mortgages came out, I'm that old. I was kind of like there for when they came out. So uh, I really enjoyed helping landlords build up portfolios. So that was kind of like the insight into property investing. And uh, I started myself as an accidental landlord, kind of like renting out rooms in a large property that I got with friends. And uh, as they kind of like moving out, I started to fill their rooms. So that was kind of how I got started <clears throat> in property. I went to mortgage broken in Spain and uh, did that like 02 to 08 and then when the market crashed i came back and focused on property then so when did the penny drop then so because a lot there are lots of mortgage brokers out there who don't invest themselves so when did you kind of switch to you know building your own portfolio yeah I, I think it was kind of like when i came back i didn't want to go back into mortgage broking so i decided to yeah focus on property uh, i did some large um refurbs up in the lake district and then as i came back uh, after those i started to kind of like trade property yeah so and trade isn't just flipping not yeah. holding any flipping mostly was that, 
was that because you was that a conscious decision because I, I know for some people like they don't realize that they can keep them <laughs> they yeah. uh you know they just think oh, okay I'll flip them get a chunk of cash move on to do the next one the next one but they don't realize actually they could refinance and pull a lot of the money out yeah no I, 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 my part of my profile is kind of like the tempo but it's a deal maker as well so I, I am a deal maker and I do enjoy doing deal property deals so yeah I kind of um did a lot of like option deals so kind of like did over 50 option deals kind of like securing properties and then trading them sometimes adding value um yeah sometimes so what, keeping. But... what year was this then as you were doing the options so this was probably from about 20 2010 something like that right and how what uh how did you get into that because it's not something that i mean it's quite a common strategy now within the property world people talking about purchase options, purchase lease options. But back then, people didn't really talk about options. So how did yeah. you get that involved in, in doing them? There was a guy actually that, that, that was out there then uh, called Rick Otten, who's an Australian guy. So he yeah. used to kind of like do training. I've always done kind of like invested it in my education. And uh, so, yeah, I, I did some training with Rick. And, uh, yeah, I found it, 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 it worked for me. So for some people, I just want to dig into this because it's really yeah. interesting. Um, for a lot of people, when they come across the concept of options, once they get their head around how it works, um, there's this idea that they're like, you know, hen's teeth or something. They're just really rare to come across. And this idea that, well, how do you market for them? How do you find them? Um, and I remember somebody said to me, out of a, a percentage of how many deals that you look at, how many do you think are option you know optionable <laughs> and, yeah. I, and I was like well it doesn't really work like that it's all about the conversations that you have yeah. so did did you just convert sort of existing leads to options or did you actually market that strategy directly to the owners um no I, I did uh, I, I kind of started out doing leaflets so I used to do kind of like 10,000 leaflets at a time and um started out I, I got the opportunities with those and it was you know problem solving finding out what somebody's situation was and then offering different solutions so a solution might be like a cash buy uh, quite a lot lower or it could be kind of like paying more on like an option and then either then looking to add value maybe doing a refurb and flip or sell on to, to another another investor that's quite a quite a number of option agreements that you you know you mm -hmm. managed to secure there so did you start to see a trend in what people wanted or how you uh phrased certain things within the conversation yeah like, it's, how it's did you manage to get so many it's definitely terminology yeah and having the confidence i think and um i think the hardest thing is keeping it simple sometimes so yeah, I have all kinds of experiences from uh, doing option deals. Um, but what I've found is that sometimes you can get, if, if you get solicitors involved in doing kind of like long option agreements, which could be up to like 10 pages, that can sometimes put people off. And, and they, the common thing would be, wow, that's like a lot of information. I'll, I'll let my sister, uh, solicitors check it over. And then the solicitor, if they're not experienced in options, they would be saying, oh, don't like this, don't do that. So kind of like reverted just to a simple one-page agreement. Okay, what did uh, you put out and what did you keep? Just, just the legal kind of 
legal stuff. It just kept it very simple. Probably had like 11 just like sentences on it. And people really just wanted a solution. So they was kind of happy, like, you know, agreeing a price and that's what they wanted. So I would never like take anybody to court. I never had any issues and things like that. So I wasn't that bothered about kind of protecting myself because I, yeah, I knew I could help them. And what was the, did you have a main strategy for, um, you know, for the option? Like, what did you do with it in that option period? So mostly, yeah, just sell on. You just get a a buyer, uh, normally cash buyers. So, yeah, I'd I'd say like agree a price and then the margin that I make is just the difference between what I agree and uh, what they they pay for. And were there some properties where you didn't need to do any refurbishment? You just sold it on for a profit? Yeah, most of them. Yeah, most of them was just sold out, sold out, you know, as it was. And I think, yeah, go on. Were they all purchase options or purchase lease options where the owner got a lease fee, a monthly income? Yeah, I, I did some of those, but it was just mostly just a, a sale. I suppose okay, what you, right. you'd probably call it now is it like an assisted sale. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah. 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 yeah I've done like in, installment contracts, delay completions. I've done like a mix of everything, but the majority I would say would be like an assisted sale. Oh, okay. So um, were they pretty much all below market value that you just kind of added a chunk on or did you add any value in planning gain or anything like that? Uh, yeah, I've done planning gains. Um, but And then also I've done refurbs where I thought it could add value. The most money I've made would would be on doing a refurb, spending a bit more time uh sometimes yeah sometimes it's just like a quick sell really and do you think that's a strategy that still works today uh yeah yeah i think there's uh opportunities uh within that we're starting like a a a new marketing campaign so i think there'll be opportunities yeah that 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 may, may well work on that basis yeah and is that targeting people who are in negative equity or um anything in particular or just generally people not really i've never really gone for the negative equity market um it, it's more people that um they just want to sell the property and sometimes it's the price is not the most important thing yeah do you want just to say a bit more about that for people who are they you know the question gets asked a lot you know why would someone give you a property below market value why don't they just do it themselves why don't they just find the cash buyer themselves right or put it on the market yeah, I think some people just um, looking for a solution and they don't have the time. Um, so that, that might range from, say, um, had a guy who'd moved in with his girlfriend. So his house was empty. And um, so it was costing him money every month. And basically the price that he got for the property was was as least impossible as the cash flow because he couldn't really afford to pay that and then contribute to the to his girlfriend's property. One of the uh, one of the phrases you're saying about kind of like the terms uh, that I learned and that has kind of like has been really good is when somebody's got a mortgage, uh, basically asking them the question: Would they sell it? Would they sell the property for what they owe? And uh, he said, point. "Yeah," and that wow. was a lot less than what the value was. Wow. 
And then, so you agree the option agreement for that price. Yeah. And then uh, typically, how long would the agreement be for? That's a good point. So you always need more time than you, than, than you think. And obviously, a lot of things can go wrong. So I always went for as long a period as I could. So the shortest period would, would typically be six months, sometimes 12 months. But then it's using the terms that uh, this is a standard agreement and, you know, I want to complete as quickly as possible. And also relating stories that sometimes the delays has been caused by the vendor, not for me. When uh, one of the most common questions that vendors ask is well how do I know you're going to complete and they're looking for the certainty if they've mm. like in that scenario with the um the, the guy with the moving the girlfriend uh you know he's leaking money every month mm. so time is off the essence there so if you're saying to him well you know can we have a 12 month agreement and also I might not I've got the option not to buy it how do you overcome that um objection I think it's just having the confidence uh, to so that they – what I used to find is when somebody signs the option agreement, I could see the weight kind of like lifted from them. And it, it was, you know, the deal had been done at that point and I've never like not fulfilled one. So I think it's kind of uh, – obviously when, when you start off, you, you may not have that confidence, yeah. uh, but it's putting across that. But – I think if you're doing a good job and you're doing the right things, then that's okay. Yeah. Okay. So uh, it sounds like the option strategy was quite a key part of, you know, your property journey and helped you kind of make the progress that you needed to move on to other things. So, uh, so why did you change if it was kind of working really well? So I, I could see the change in market from kind of like buy to lets to HMOs. This was like 2016. Yeah. So, um, I then decided to focus on sourcing pro uh, properties, converting to HMOs. So I started a company called the HMO Agency in Salford. And um, the business model was um, like a portfolio, portfolio builder for professionals and business owners that were based in typically like London or overseas. And uh, we would source a property project manager, the conversions, and then we did the lettings. Right, so turnkey. Yeah, yeah. And did you take on any properties yourself or were you just managing and doing the turnkey solution for the other So that, yeah, that business was just doing uh, for clients. So it was like a portfolio built to clients. So with that, in 2016, I also uh, joined the Property Entrepreneur Board, uh, which was great timing because a lot of things I hadn't done before. So... I had worked, I had done lettings. I had kind of like self-managed a lot of like lettings before. I'd also worked for the National Landlords Association. So I had like an understanding of that, but it did help to follow a model. And that's what I had from the property entrepreneurs. So kind of helped me to scale the business. Yeah, put all the systems in place, automate it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And were you not tempted to be buying presumably you're sourcing properties that are you know there's some sort of deal there below market value or whatever Not, it is they so. weren't necessarily below below market value uh it was just the opportunities to to kind of like convert them so a typical deal okay. would be a three-bedroom terraced house that we would convert into five ensuite bedrooms for young professionals 
sometimes you get you know six and seven and eights but typically it was a five bedroom yeah it felt like everyone was just doing that at the time yeah yeah <laughs> especially around the Manchester area just you know there was so much stock that yeah it, you know and so much opportunity there for people to do that and I suppose for your investors they didn't want to have the hassle of finding the right property yeah. location doing all of the refurb and then the, the management as well so um but did you did you choose to kind of have any properties on in your personal portfolio were you just happy to have that as a business so it was like a separate business that you know I had like you know um had like buy to lets and like uh conversions and stuff like that but that that business was just focused on on that model and uh we started in like 2016 it got to like October and I had five five conversions starting so that's uh yeah so that's when I, st- I started to like grow the team. So I got project manager in place and then started to recruit recruit a team. Yeah. And how has it been since then in terms of you've obviously been on the property entrepreneur board um, for many years and what have you kind of learned and implemented that's kind of really stood out for you that's made the difference in scaling the business and yeah Just, I think, you know, working on the business rather than in it yeah yeah I think that's key is to have the right people in the right right seats so kind of like recruiting the right people and wealth dynamics has been really uh really great for that so understand it's like a free uh free tool that you can use as part of the recruitment process as we send it out different kind of like uh, job roles they would do the free genius U test and then it was only if they had the right uh, profiles we would probably you know get involved with interviews so that was really good having the systems in place to help help me kind of like scale the business and then working on it as opposed to in it yeah and it's interesting now so your uh role within the property entrepreneur is uh, for a lot you know you're um seeing a lot of people come through fresh you mm. know through uh just on their journey starting out so what is interesting about the people coming through like what trends do you see uh that you know people's expectations or things that are holding them back yeah. um, versus when you started yeah i think a lot when a lot of people join property entrepreneur and there's probably like 150 a year now within the program altogether so made up of the board um the first year program and then people that stay on the advanced a lot of people may join and, and uh, they might have been on like uh, the PIN Mastermind. Yeah. So they've been on that. They've uh, head down, trying to like, you know, hit the targets. So creates a lot of chaos, a lot of results, but also chaos. And then they come on looking then to get the systems in place. So you see a lot of people that really like to have a blueprint to be able to follow. Uh, but there's been some fantastic stories of people kind of, yeah, doing some like great results, building the businesses, some selling it and um, some getting involved in in like different businesses. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's not just property. It's uh, yeah. It's open to people with other types of businesses. Yeah. As well. that's, yeah. That's right. Yeah. So it, it's, it, yeah. It's interesting um, to talk to different people and like the effects it has on uh, the, their own businesses, which are not property related as well. Yeah, it 
It must be interesting to see people, I suppose, uh, I've done the mastermind and uh, I've done different types of masterminds. I'm on one at the mm. moment that's got nothing to do with property. Um, but it, you know, for people who come on to the property entrepreneur, they have, have pretty much all of them have done some sort of mastermind program, you know, mm. an extended training support group. They've had that accountability. And so do they adapt better do you think than you know if they hadn't done all of those things yeah, I think it's so. a different caliber I guess of entrepreneur <laughs> yeah I, I, it, the program has changed and it's now more about execution so okay. it, it is about the kind of like understanding what the blueprints are but then there's, there's uh, like a big focus certainly this year is on like execution so which is great as a group I think uh, I think that's been really good and what does that look like? Because I think it's it's quite easy for people, you know, to join groups where it they are, I want to say, procrastinating, learning, yeah, <laughs> just yeah. consuming yeah. the information and the there isn't that element in focus. Now, there's plenty of different models out there for mm. training programs as the, uh, you know, done for you, mm. done with you, with you and do it yourself. Yeah, yeah. Right. So. Uh, I guess you pay for what you for what level mm. that you're at, um, but in terms of the execution side, it's you know I, I think that's quite a challenging thing to implement. It might be a limiting belief of mine <laughs> in a in a program where you've got fifty people. How do you how do you encourage people to execute? How do you build that into the program? What tends to happen is that it's like the four seasons of the year, then the each season then. So it started off kind of like looking at the, the years gone past, uh, the year gone past, and then looking at kind of like what you want more of, less of, what you want to keep, and then putting together what it is you're trying to to achieve. And then you, you're then going through, through to a strategy day. So everybody's then got to present it in like uh, in groups, in the right. in the kind of like the programs uh we also do that on the board as well so you're accountable to each other right, so like each kind of like meeting there's there's homework or there's kind of like you know there's there's something that then you need, need to do that so it's certainly like up your game and being responsible to each other one thing we have on the board is like the one thing so it's the one thing that you need to achieve by the following month a lot of banter with that a lot of fun but it's uh, it's pretty brutal as well so yeah, things like that. You, you know, doing your, t- your your top ten for the week, reporting that in, uh, is all been good. And how do you decide what the one thing is when you've got so many yeah. priorities? <laughs> I suppose it's like what is the game changer, and that part of it is, as well is looking at the game changers for the year, game changers for the quarter and the monthly, and incorporating those. But yeah, it, it's the thing that you need to that you need to do that's going to make a significant uh, difference to your business. Right. And is there anything you think that holds people back that you can see across, you know, different types of people that come through? Uh, a lot of it is overwhelm. And sometimes, uh, like on my seventh year now, but sometimes there is, you can't, because of like business, you, you're busy and stuff like that, you can't do everything. So you just take on board what you can do. And you just do your best, which is fine. And then maybe the following year, you're in a different position because you've got, you know, either uh, more team members in place or, or you've got better systems that you then have the capacity or you're just in a different place to be able to implement more things. 
Yeah, it's, I think that's certainly a, a theme that I see across people who are, you know, they they make that jump from just a landlord sort of investing mm. to being an entrepreneur where you're growing a business and you've got the portfolio, you happen to manage a team. And it's that, um, what is the book, the E-Myth, where you've got all these oh, yeah. different hats on. And for many people, like myself included, I'd never had a corporate background. So mm. I've never been in management or anything like that. And then you're kind of thrown in this world of, first of all, you're just learning everything you can about property and mm. direct to vendor marketing. And then suddenly you're like, oh, okay, I need to learn about business as well. I need to um, have all these business skills. And that becomes like the most important thing that sort of, uh, I guess it comes in stages of people's journeys, right? Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, overwhelming and just, I think that's, you know, the important thing about having any accountability group, any support group, especially if you're committed to something for 12 months mm. where you've got that, you know, that you, you know people are going to be checking in with you every month and um, holding you to account on what you're doing. Mm. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I, th- um, I, think it, I think it's good, yeah. Right. So, uh, so what are you up to these days and what's next? Yeah. So I sold the HMO agency a couple of years ago and okay. now my focus is on the property brokerage. So right. that was portfolio builder for the clients for the HMO agency. But, um, we've, um, started to get, um, clients coming to us about selling their investment properties. So that's the focus has been selling, um, providing making things easier for people to buy and sell investment properties so investment property brokers and, and that, that that's kind of using my experience as mortgage brokers i've been involved in over 750 property uh conveyancing transactions so there's a lot of things that go wrong in property and then it's kind of like problem solving those um the mortgage background the the trading background the hmo legislation uh you know Probably done over 40 HMO um, conversions and then moved on to office conversions. So there's a lot of things that uh, has cropped up and it's kind of like using that uh, experience to help the, you know, the selling and the, and the, uh, the buying of investment properties. Yeah, it's so much experience there. And so are, they, are typically you're working with investors who are selling rather than just, yeah. Yeah. just yeah, regular people who have just got... Yeah, one. yeah, we do. We do get people that just have got a property to sell. It might be a vacant property. A lot of it today has been kind of like word of mouth recommendations. Um, we've got a team in place now that's very experienced. We're very into customer service and trying to, you know, provide as good experiences as we can. So we're now we're, we're just scaling up. I've just um, got a new business partner who's really experienced. Uh, he's had. Um, large business that he scaled up. He had over 150 engineers working for him and uh, he sold out to um, overseas PLC and he's now joined the business. He's like a creator, so he's on the opposite side to me as far as wealth dynamic. dynamic. So we're, we're a great uh, partnership. And we're now full scaling, of ideas. <laughs> yeah, we're now scaling, the, scaling that business, which is exciting. So who's your ideal customer? So is landlords um, who either are looking. So we do, do a few things. We do like a, a portfolio re- review. So sometimes I have clients who've got portfolio 
not really sure what to do. Should they sell? Uh, which are the ones they would keep? Uh, are they interested in leases? So we can have a look at that as to, we, we may suggest based on like a, if you sell it and getting 10 years profit, then that might be a good thing to do. So we'll look at the different uh, properties and then give advice. It's up to them to decide. Uh, sometimes we have like some clients that buy and also sell. So they might be offloading some properties, but then they're changing the, the spread of the portfolio. So they might be kind of going from HMOs to buy to lets and uh, more like, uh, yeah, different type strategies. I think flavor recently has been leases. So a lot of people interested in having like long-term leases on the properties as well, which is another offering that we, that we have. Okay. And so uh, leases with like social housing, for example, yeah, yeah. charities and yeah, local council. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that is interesting. I was, that's moving around. And um, okay, so working with landlords and it, in particular the portfolio then. So for a lot of people I've spoken to who want to sell their portfolio, they feel stuck because of their capital gains. Mm. And uh, what do you say to them if they, let's say they've got 10 properties, like ideally they'd just like to sell them all in the same year this year, mm -hmm. but they, they have the implications do you offer, do you suggest like a solution where they can structure the sale over a number of yeah. years with some option agreements or yeah yeah so yeah looking at it and, and go through different scenarios so it may well be that some are done uh, on options sell certain ones now um, it, it could be kind of we also offer to cash buy ourselves so we may be interested in in, in buying those so it's a mix really. But it's looking at the different scenarios and um, putting putting together a plan. Yeah. Okay. So, and then potentially refinancing some as well. And yeah, yeah. Lots of options. So I'm sure it's um, really valuable to have yourself on board because you've you've got all of these creative solutions that not many brokers will even be aware of. Mm. Yeah, so, I, I love it. I, I do love it, and I you know I like helping people. I like being creative. So I'm certainly in my flow, yeah. <laughs> Great. Well, um, yeah. So is the plan to just carry on as you are now? You're obviously looking to scale the business and then and then eventually sell it, or is that you plan to hold on? No, no plans to sell. Uh, sell this. Um, do more like com uh, commercial conversions as well. Okay. So I started to do those as opposed to HMOs. So enjoying doing those and then looking at development opportunities as well. And I've also started on on the Wednesday, just one day a week. I do coaching as well, so that's that's called the Financial Fortress, and that's aimed at uh, professionals, business owners that either are unclear on the strategy or kind of like want to go to the next level. So it's just kind of like helping them um, put a plan together and implement that. All right. Well, it sounds like, you know, just uh, you'd be bringing a wealth of experience to that as well. So, um, yeah, it's a great opportunity for anyone looking to just kind of get, uh, you know, have a have a review of where they're at and their business yeah. and how they can improve and uh, possibly go to the next level. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. OK, well, that's probably a good place to wrap up. So we'll share all of the uh, links in the show notes for the property entrepreneur that you're involved with and obviously your mortgage broker company there 
and your coaching so if anyone wants to uh, follow up with you then they'll the links will be in the show notes all right great yeah thanks very much indeed michelle great to see you again and uh, yeah, you see too. you soon yeah thanks mark okay. and for anyone who is not yet subscribed to the magazine please click the link in the show notes for your free 30-day trial we'll see you next time guys bye